Well, how are we doing, family? It is so good to be with you this weekend, and if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Justin, and I have the privilege of serving uh, the Heritage family as our Bettendorf campus pastor. And whether you are here in Rock Island joining us online, men in Kiwani, uh, family in Bettendorf, love you guys. Listen, I am so grateful uh, that you're here. And if you're a guest with us this weekend, especially glad that you're here, and you probably already figured this out, but we aren't a perfect church. But I'll tell you what we are, is we are a people that are passionate about connecting with God, connecting with each other, and fully living into the purpose that God has created us for. And one of the ways that we do that week in and week out is when we gather and we worship through music, but then we engage the scripture together, hoping to, by looking at it, to learn more about God, but also to maybe begin to understand a little bit more of the life that he, he has created and desires for us to live. And so today, as we jump into scripture, uh, we're going to continue a series of conversations where we're looking just simply at two words that Jesus said. But these two simple words dramatically impacted how those who heard them when he was alive, and for those of us today, as they heard them, it dramatically impacted how they understood him and how they saw him. You see, these two words are just simply, I am. I am. And we've been taking a look at a number of these moments when Jesus says these two words and looking at what does it mean for us. Now, I am is actually a Greek term, as the New Testament is written in Greek, that Jesus said that literally it means ego I me. Ego I me is the Greek word, but it is literally translated as I exist. I happen. I, I am present. And it's a word that Jesus uses 24 times in the book of John. And 17 of those times, Jesus connects them to a descriptor a, um, or a word that would go on to describe what he is. And we've been taking a look at those over the last four weeks. In fact, I encourage you, if you haven't, if you missed any of those or you haven't seen them, get online and check them out. Even as somebody who has followed Jesus for a while, I have found these conversations to be deeply impactful and meaningful for me. And in fact, if you're in a place today where you're like not real sure about this whole Jesus thing and not sure if you believe in him, you don't really know why he came or, or what he came to do. I encourage you, get online and check those out. You'll find those as helpful conversations for you. But also, as we lean into one together today, I think you'll get a really good understanding of who Jesus is as we continue to step toward Easter and Good Friday. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn or click to John chapter 8. Uh, we're going to get into verse 12 as we take a look at another one of these statements that Jesus utters today. And it says this, John 8 verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, he goes on to say, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have a light that leads to life. Jesus declares that he is the light of the world. Now, we know what it's like to walk in darkness, don't we? I mean, we just survived the winter from fill in the blank, all right? In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you made it. You may now turn to the other one that doesn't look so hot and say, you sort of made it, all right? <laughs> I mean, this winter was horrible. Anybody agree? Like, growing up in Michigan, you would think this would have been nothing for me. But I'm telling you, the older I get, like, I'm just getting weak, all right? It's like, suck it up, buttercup. I, I mean, this winter was horrible. <laughs> okay, how many of you liked this winter, just out of curiosity? All right, I want you to know, for the three of you, we have a prayer partners down front after service. <laughs> Would love to serve you in that way, but I'm just kidding, right? Or we know what it's like to walk in the dark. Anybody woke up in the middle of the night and needed to use the restroom? 
right? I mean, you get out of bed, you're just praying, I hope I make it. That's like the first priority. And then that dog that looks so cute doesn't look so cute in the dark, does it? As you trip over him, right? Or your, your daughter has the, you know, my little pony toys that just happen to be on dad's side of the bed that you step on or, or you're like in a hurry and you think the, the bathroom door is open only to face plant into it when it's closed. Anybody been there? Maybe this is just a therapy session for me. I don't know, but right? But it, walking in the dark is no fun. Anybody walked in a back alley of a city in the middle of the dark that you don't know? Not enjoyable experience, is it? I mean, it's scary. It is not fun. But listen, just as it's not fun to wake up in the middle of the night and run to the restroom, and it's not fun to walk in the, the back alleys in the darkness of life, it's, it's also not fun to walk through the dark seasons of life, is it? It's not. In fact, all of us have walked through these seasons. You may be in the middle of them today. These are the moments when you just feel utterly lost and alone. These are the moments when, when, when you're just desperate for God to give you direction. You're desperate to know where you're going. And, and it seems like no matter what you do, you're heading the wrong direction all the time. Or maybe these dark seasons in your life are marked by, by pain. I mean, it could be physical pain or ailments or it could be emotional pain. Or maybe it's the family and the relationships around you are just falling apart and, and your dark season is marked by your marriage that's just falling apart in front of you. Or, or maybe your kids are making decisions that are just breaking your heart. Or maybe you're, you're stuck in the midst of uh, rhythms and lifestyles or addictions that you're just so desperate to break free from. And you've tried over and over and over and over again and you're just finding yourself in the middle of the dark, broken, crying out saying, what does it take to be free? We know what it's like to walk in the dark. But here's the good news. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, if we follow him, we don't have to walk in the darkness because we have the light that leads to life. And so as we look at this statement I, I, and we, we unpack it a little bit more, we get, a, we get a glimpse of who Jesus said that he was when he declares that I am the light. And the good news is, is that if we embrace what he is saying here, it changes everything for us. In fact, in the moments leading up to this passage of scripture, when Jesus declares this truth about himself, uh, the Jews had gathered for what was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of the Tabernacles was one of three annual celebrations in which, and festivals in which Jews from all over the land would come to Jerusalem. And this was a moment when they would gather and they would, they would reflect and remember how God had been faithful to them in the wilderness after they stepped out of uh, slavery in Egypt and before they walked into the promised land. This, this was a festival in which they celebrated how God had been faithful and they looked forward to what God had promised to do. And it was in the context of this festival, they would have these, these large candle stands that, that would have these, these candles on them. And in fact, some of the, as I did some research, they said these candles were so bright and there were so many of them that it literally would light up the entire town. But what these candles represented to the Jews that gathered at the Feast of Tabernacles is they represented and reminded them of God's faithfulness to lead them in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud and by a pillar of fire. It reminded them of what we read in Exodus chapter 13 where it says this. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. 
In fact, if you look, read the book of Exodus, in Exodus 40, it literally says whenever the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire lifted up and moved, that the Israelites would pack up everything that they had and they would follow that pillar of, that pillar of light. In Exodus 33, Moses says, God, if you don't go before us, if you don't go with us, we won't go. I mean, there was an understanding amongst the Israelites, both in the wilderness, but also the Jews as they gathered, that to follow that light meant to follow God. And so what Jesus is saying, literally, with the lights of these candles that are reminding the Jews of this, flickering against his face, he's saying, just as I led you in the pillar of fire in the wilderness, he's saying, I am the light of the world. And what he's inviting them into is he's helping them understand that just as God was faithful to lead them then, Jesus, the light of the world, would be the one who would lead them, who would go before them, who would protect them, who would provide for them. And that same invitation is what he makes to you and I today. He says, you don't have to walk through the dark seasons of life alone. You don't have to walk through the forest in the middle of the night without a path. He says, I will be the one who leads you if you'll just follow me. But something that's important to understand about following Jesus is that our willingness to follow him, our willingness to go and do whatever he's asking us to do, our willingness to walk behind him, even if we don't fully see the destination, our willingness to follow him as the light of the world is rooted in our ability to trust. Our willingness to follow is rooted in our ability to trust. A few weeks ago, Pastor Sean uh, reminded us of something we've talked about over the years here, of, of what we will trust God when we love God, and we'll only love God when we know him. So it's this idea, if we know God, we'll love him. And if we love him, we'll trust him. And if we trust him, we will obey him or we will follow him wherever he leads. You see, throughout dozens of times throughout Jesus's life and ministry that he, that he walks up to the people that he's called and he simply invites them to follow me. To follow me. That's, that's his simple invitation. We see one of those examples in uh, Matthew chapter 4 uh, in which Jesus is walking along the lake and he looks out at some fishermen who are fishing and he simply stops and he says, hey you, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Or five chapters later in Matthew chapter 9 where he walks by the booth of a tax collector and he stops and he looks at this man named Levi or Matthew and he says, hey come, follow me. And the craziest thing happens. These men leave everything they have, and they follow Jesus. I mean, it's wild. It's crazy. But they knew who he was, and, and they trusted him. And so they left everything behind, and they followed Jesus, not knowing where ultimately that would lead. And yet that's the same invitation that he makes to us, to, to come, follow me. Come, follow me. Crazy enough, this last Friday, April 12th, was our five-year anniversary of the Barnes family joining the Heritage family, right? Like, you've been putting up with me for five years, and I appreciate that, okay? You haven't voted me off the island yet, which is nice. Bet North Campus is like, that's an option? No, it's not, all right? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> but it, it was about five and a half years ago that I remember my phone rang, and it said Sean Cosson on my phone. And as I was talking to him, he said, Justin... I've been praying, and for whatever reason, your name continues to come to mind. You've got to understand that I've never met anyone that prays like Sean Cosson. Never. And so when he called me and said the Holy Spirit was bringing my name to mind, I kind of took notice. But here's what you've got to know. We loved where we were at. We were in Benton Harbor, Michigan. I mean, God had, had allowed us to be part of some incredible things. I mean, we were seeing lives transformed. And we had family in Michigan. You know what family is? I mean, these are friends that are like family. I mean, this was home. 
But as Sean and I began to have a conversation and talk over the next few months, and Jesse and I began to pray and to fast, we just sensed God saying, follow me. Trust me that it will take care of this ministry here. We know that you love them, but follow me. I'm inviting you into something. And I got to tell you, I'm so glad that God gave us the ability to trust him and to follow him. I'll tell you, the last five years have been great for the most part. There was that one Christmas I had to come out in tights, like green tights, and that was awkward. But like, probably more awkward for you than for me. But like, it's been incredible. But we would have missed it if we didn't trust him and follow him. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You don't have to walk through the darkness of night, tripping over the dog or on the My Little Pony toys of life. He says, I will be the light that leads you. But our willingness to follow him is rooted in our ability to trust him. But see, that's not all Jesus meant when he uttered this statement about himself. In fact, if you look at the section of scripture that, that comes right up to verse 12, in verses 1 through 11 in chapter 8, there's this incredible thing that takes place. Jesus is already in the temple. He's already teaching. And, and the teachers of the law and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, drag this woman in front of Jesus. And they go on to tell Jesus that this woman has been caught in adultery. And just in case Jesus needed reminded of what the law said, they went on to say, listen, the penalty of this issue or this sin is death. This woman deserved to be stoned to death. And so they look at Jesus and they're trying to trap him. And they say, Jesus, what do you say? What do you say? And Jesus, in his own way, bends down. He writes something on the dirt. And then he stands back up and he basically says, you're right. And then he looks at these men that have rocks in their hands ready to stone this woman. And you know what he says? He says, you who haven't sinned, he who has no sin, cast or throw the first stone. And then look what happens in John chapter 8. This is at the bottom of page 1 in your outline. It says this. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, dropping their rocks, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then she says, no one, sir. And then Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Go now, he tells the woman, and leave your life of sin. This woman, in the midst of her darkness, in the midst of her brokenness, in the midst of shame, in the midst of her guilt, in front of an entire group of people, encounters the light of the world and Jesus. And she's forgiven and she's utterly transformed. I mean, she's not the only one in scripture who has this encounter with the light of the world and is forgiven and transformed. Anybody remember Saul? Saul, right? This was a man who who was chasing Christians, chasing them down, ultimately trying to imprison them or even kill them. And in an interaction with Jesus, his life is transformed. He's forgiven. Saul becomes Paul. Anybody remember Zacchaeus? In Luke chapter 19, like he's a wee little man. I always throw him in there because I'm not as tall myself, right? Like, This is a wicked tax collector. This is a guy who is stealing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars from all the people around him that he's supposed to be serving. But when he encounters Jesus, his life is changed. The light of the world transforms him. There's a story in Mark chapter 5 of a a man who is demon-possessed. I mean, this is a man that in the middle of the night, as the townspeople would try to sleep, they would hear him just with these blood-curdling screams, screaming at the top of his lungs as he ran butt-naked through the the caves and the, the, you know, the cemeteries of that area. 
I mean, this was a man that when he came to Jesus, he had, he had chains and, on his wrist and on his ankles. And, and he, had, he had marks where he had cut himself with stones. I mean, he wasn't clothed. He had blood on him. I mean, this was a nasty dude. But he encounters Jesus, the light of the world, and he's changed. He's transformed. Literally, when the townspeople came out to see Jesus, the scripture says that they found this man seated and clothed and in his right mind. I mean, it's crazy, but Jesus is the light of the world that transforms us. And that same transformation that they experienced, the woman and Paul and Zacchaeus and the man in Mark chapter 5, that same transformation is available to us. Because one truth we have to understand is that no area of darkness, no area of darkness can withstand Jesus' transforming light. No area of darkness, nothing, we see it in these stories of these men and women, no area of darkness can withstand Jesus' transforming light. And that same is available to you and to me. And I realize today we may be in a place, you may be in a place where you've been checking Jesus out, you're not quite sure, and, and maybe there's just areas in your life, maybe from the moment you felt like the, your earliest memory that you've been walking in darkness and brokenness, and you just feel like your life's falling apart, and, and you're, you just feel hopeless. I want you to know today that I realize that there's part of you right now that's going, well, yeah, I, you, you know, I, what I've done is too far. I've, I've hurt too many people. I'm, the darkness in my life is so dark. There's no way Jesus can change that. Let me tell you, there is no area of darkness that the transforming light of Jesus can't transform. And maybe today's the day that you, that you go, you know what, Jesus? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that promise. I'm going to choose to follow you, choose to trust you, and let you transform me to make me new. Or maybe we're in a place today where we've been following Jesus for a while. But if we're honest, behind the mask, if you open up the door, there's some areas where we've been walking in darkness for a long time. And we've been afraid to invite Jesus into those spaces because we're afraid that he'll reject us, that he'll turn away from us. I want you to know today, that Jesus is sitting here with arms open wide saying, listen, there's no area of darkness in you. There's no area of darkness in you that I can't and don't desire to transform. In 1 John chapter 1, John writes this, starting in verse 5. This is in the middle of your first page. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Verse 6. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God. But we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. What the Apostle John is writing is saying, listen, if you claim to follow Jesus, but yet behind the scenes you have areas of darkness and places that you're not willing to offer him, he, he essentially is saying, like, you're only fooling yourself. He's saying you're missing the point. You're missing out on what Jesus wants to do in you and transform all of you. But he goes on in verse 7 to say this. He says, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Is that good news? <laughs> That's really good news. What he is saying is that there is no area of darkness. There is no area of darkness that can withstand Jesus' transforming light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he wants to transform all of you and all of me. And so let me ask you today. What is the area in you that maybe you've been withholding from him? 
What is the area inside you? Is it a, is it a, a thought pattern? Is it an addiction? Is it, is it, you know, maybe actually you've been coming to church and you've been around the things of God, but if you're honest, you've never actually really placed your trust and faith in Jesus. Today is the day where he says, I want to I wanna transform all of you, not just part of you, but all of you. What is that area of darkness in your life that Jesus wants to show himself as the light of the world? I realize for some of us, those areas are in our marriage. They're in our parenting. They're, they're in, you know, maybe the areas of darkness in us is just quite frankly is that we don't have relationship with anyone else. And I want you to know that as a church, we're so committed to, to seeing you live in the light of Jesus and experience the full transformation. That's why we create environments that we call life groups or learning groups. And in fact, here in a, a couple of weeks, we have a whole new batch of learning groups that are starting up, starting the week of April 29th. And if you look on page three of your outline, you're going to see a number of those listed there. And I encourage you, jump into one of those. One of those is called Deep Love. It's a marriage study that Jesse and I went through this last year, and it's powerful, had a deep impact on our marriage. Or, or maybe uh, you're a parent and you, you had this baby and it was so cute. And then you realize I have to raise this thing, you know? Like we have an environment called intentional parenting that you can jump into. Or, or maybe you're a, a man or a woman and you're just like, I, I desperately need community around me. And I, I want to I learn what it means to follow God because there's these areas of darkness. But I don't even know what it means to walk in the light. And we have men's environments and women's environments. We, we have studies that just look at scripture and the story of scripture. And my ask of you is that may be an environment that Jesus, the light of the world, will lead you to step into. So that you can experience transformation and breakthrough in those areas of your life. Because Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light that transforms. And I realize some of these patterns in us seem impossible. The areas of darkness, you're like, Justin, I've dealt with that my entire life. And I think that's why after Jesus utters this statement in John chapter 8, if you step into John chapter 9, he and his disciples come across a scenario that seems utterly impossible and this is what happens. It says this in John chapter 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or because of his parents' sins? You see, there was a popular thought in that time that if somebody was sick or somebody was lame or somebody was broken or someone was blind or somebody was deaf or somebody had leprosy, that it was tied to, to sin in their life or in their family's lives. And so they're asking him, Jesus, was it because of this man's sin or because of his parents? But listen to what Jesus says. It says, Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. He said, listen, it's not because of his sin or his parents' sin. He said, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus goes on in the following verses to remind them that he is the light of the world. He says it again. And then he reaches down in the dirt. He spits in the dirt. He makes some mud. He slimes it on the guy's eyes. It's kind of gross. But listen, he healed him. An area that seemed impossible. No way. This guy was born blind. Jesus says, watch this. I'm the light of the world and I can transform any area of darkness, whether you were born that way, whether you've lived that way your entire life, he said, there is nothing beyond my transformative power because Jesus is the light of the world that leads us. But our ability to follow is rooted in our ability to trust. And Jesus is the light of the world that transforms us. But we have to be willing to bring the dark areas of our life to Jesus. But hear me today. If we are willing to, to answer the call to follow him, and we're willing to open up the dark areas of our lives so that he can transform them, then it's only natural that Jesus, the light of the world, will shine through us into a world. 
Another way to say that is that pursuing Jesus leads to a radiant life. Pursuing Jesus leads to a radiant life. Can I tell you, we live in a world that is desperate for the transforming light of Jesus. They're desperate for it. I mean, I don't have to tell you how hurt and broken and dark our world is. You can just get on right now, maybe after service. Don't, don't do it right now. That's not good. But get on, get on the webpage of your favorite news provider and just scan the stories. We live in a world that is desperate for the transforming light of Jesus. But guess who he's asked to be the carriers of his light into the world? His primary means is you and it's me. I mean, think of those who encountered Jesus and were transformed and how their lives were radically changed. I mean, remember Saul encounters Jesus, turned into Paul, and then in Acts chapter 13, you know what it says about him? It says, Jesus called him to be a light to the Gentiles. This was the man who was killing Christians. Now he is a light to the Gentiles. The woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, Jesus, after she encounters him and she's forgiven and transformed, he says, hey, go and sin no more. He says, go live differently. Go live in a way that others will see that there's something different about you so the light of the world can shine through you. The demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, after Jesus transforms him, he gets in a boat and he's getting ready to leave and this man comes and he, and he begs Jesus and he says, Jesus, can I please come with you? And Jesus says, no. But he says, I'm sending you back to your family, back into the village of the people that you terrorized for years, maybe decades. And I want you to go back and tell them all the wonderful things that God has done. The man who was born blind, that Jesus restored his, his health. Literally, he's having an interaction with the Pharisees after, after he encounters Jesus. And he says, listen, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. And he goes on into a point where the Pharisees literally think that he's trying to convert them to follow Jesus. I mean, it's awesome, right? But it's the light of Jesus, the light of the world that shines through us. And we live in a world that is desperate to see him. They are desperate for hope. And you and I are the ones that he's chosen, if you're a follower of Jesus, to take the light into the world. This is what Jesus says to his, his disciples in Matthew chapter 5. Remember, these are men and women who had encountered Jesus, had placed their trust in him, had been transformed by them. And then this is what he says to them. He says, you are the what? He says, you are the what? You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Listen to this. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Jesus said, I didn't transform you just to, to hide you under a basket. I didn't just transform you so that you could just have a personal faith and walk with me and, and don't let anybody else know. He said, I have transformed you to be the light of the world and I'm not hiding you under a basket. But he goes on to say, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, he says, let your good deeds, what? Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus says, I am the light of the world and I want to I wanna lead you. I want to transform you. But then, man, I want to shine through you. And pursuing Jesus leads to a radiant life, a radiant Life. Literally, Jesus has put each and every one of us in neighborhoods and communities and workplaces. And his invitation to us is just this simple thing shine. Shine. Let your life, let your good deeds shine so that everyone will see me, the light of the world. 
Every single one of us has influence. Every single one of us has influence for the kingdom of God that Jesus wants to leverage. In fact, that's why twice a year as a church, we, we host multiple uh, leadership events. We have one coming up here uh, in May called LeaderCast. On May 10th at the Bettendorf campus is the live uh, simulcast event. And May 23rd is a FlexCast. But this is a, a one, uh, FlexCast is here at Rock Island campus. More information on page three. You can get more, uh, sign up at Next Steps area. But hear me, this is a one-day leadership event where, yes, we're going to gather together and we're going to uh, learn how to, to lead more effectively, hopefully so that that makes an impact in your professional environments or wherever you're placed, but it's also an opportunity for us to grow in our ability to leverage the influence and the leadership that God's given us for his glory and for his kingdom. One of the things I've heard consistently over the five years I've been here from, from many of you is, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. But let me tell you today, leadership is influence, and you are an influencer. You are a leader. The reason I know that is because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I was introduced to a quote a couple weeks ago um, by a pastor and theologian and uh, author by the name of Henri Nouwen, and this is what he says. He says, when we keep claiming the light, when we keep claiming the light by, by stepping out in trust and our willingness to follow Jesus, when we keep claiming the light by, by bringing and taking the risk of, of bringing these dark areas of our life to him, to be transformed by him. When we keep claiming the light, we will find ourselves becoming more and more radiant. When we keep claiming the light, we'll find ourselves becoming more and more radiant. And we live in a world that's desperate for you and I to live radiant lives for Christ. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light that leads us, but our, our willingness to follow is rooted in our ability to trust. Jesus is the light that transforms us, but we have to be willing to bring those areas of darkness to him, understanding that no area of darkness can withstand his transforming light. And that we have to be willing to make ourselves available to shine brightly for the kingdom of God because pursuing Jesus leads to a radiant life. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world if you follow me, you will no longer walk in darkness because you have the light that leads to life. So what? You may be asking, so what? What, is this, what does this mean for me today? As we've talked about, this weekend is Palm Sunday weekend. Palm Sunday is a moment where, where we stop and we reflect and we celebrate the last time Jesus entered Jerusalem in that triumphant entry as God and his Savior and his King. I mean, this was a, a powerful moment as he comes in on the donkeys and there's, there's like all kinds of people around him, you know, laying down their cloaks and laying down palm branches and declaring, you know, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. I mean, this is an awesome moment, right? In fact, when I, when I think of this moment, I, I, my mind goes in one of two places. The first one is, wow, this must be awesome. Right? I mean, Jesus is on the donkeys walking in and people, hundreds of people are declaring that he is God. They're saying, blessed are you. They're saying, save us, Jesus. I mean, this must have been incredible. But on the other side, I'm reminded in a very real and tangible way, Jesus, the light of the world, is walking into the darkness of Jerusalem. 
Jesus, the light of the world, is walking into the darkness and ultimately a bloody cross, getting ready to give his life for the very ones who lined that road who are saying, and one day are saying, Hosanna, glory God in the highest, and only a few days later are declaring, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. You see, Jesus, the light of the world, is ultimately going to the cross to die. Check this. Jesus, the light of the world, is going to the cross to die in the midst of darkness. So those who are along the sides of those roads, and for you and for me, can step from darkness into light. Jesus, the light of the world, is stepping into darkness and going to die so that you and I can step out of the darkness and into the light. So let me ask you today, as we close, is where is Jesus inviting you? Where is Jesus inviting you to step out of the darkness today and into the light? Jesus stepped out of the light and into the darkness so that you could step out of the darkness and into the light. And so where is it today that he's inviting you to step out of the darkness and into the light? For some of us, maybe you're in a place today where you've never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus. You've never accepted the invitation to follow him. I got to tell you today, you can step from darkness and into the light. Your lives can be transformed just like the woman caught in adultery, just like the man in Mark 5, Saul, Zacchaeus. And that's just a sliver of examples. There's nothing that you've done that is too dark or too heinous for Jesus' light to be able to transform you and forgive you. And if that's you, I encourage you, go to the back of your teaching outline. There's three sample steps and a prayer. And I encourage you, make today the day that you do that. Your life will never be the same. Or maybe you're in a place today where, where you know and you've been walking with Jesus, but he's asking you to do something. He's saying, follow me. And you're like, hold on, Jesus, I kind of like where I'm at today. Like, I'm all good here. And maybe today's the day you say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going I'm to step into that understanding that you're the light of the world. You're the one who will go before me, just like they did in the wilderness and the pillar of fire. You'll go before me in this life today. Maybe that's what Holy Spirit is stirring in you. Or maybe you're in a place where you've been following Jesus for a long time, but there's areas of your life where, where you've been trying to hide from, from others or, or from him. I want you to know Jesus already knows, like, surprise, right? <laughs> but maybe today's the day where you're saying, you hear that Jesus is waiting for you. And he's saying, listen, if you'll just open those areas up to me, I'll transform them. Maybe that's what Holy Spirit's stirring in you. Or maybe you're in a place today where Holy Spirit is stirring with you a realization that, that you really haven't been living a radiant life. Maybe you've been following Jesus. You've been bringing parts of him, um, parts of you to him to be transformed. But, but you're, you're kind of like the light that's got the basket over the top. And today, Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I didn't come and die for you and give my life for you and lead you and transform you so that you could have a basket over you. And today's the day where you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm going to step into living a radiant life because I want to see the world around me transformed. See, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light that leads us. He's the light that transforms us. And he is the light that shines through us. Do me a favor at all of our locations. If you'll just stand. I want to read a passage of scripture and then pray over us today. And this scripture is found in Revelation chapter 22. And it's in this scripture, it actually speaks about eternity in heaven. This is the moment when, when those of us who have accepted the, the invitation to follow Jesus and placed our faith and trust in him, that, that we brought the areas of darkness in our life to him to be transformed. We've lived lives that have, have radiated his glory. This is what Revelation 22 says that we'll experience in verse 5. It says, and there will be no night there. There will be no darkness there. There will be no night. 
He says, no need for lamps or for sun, because check this, for the Lord God will what? The Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. You see, Jesus was the light of the world back in Genesis chapter one, when the world was created. Jesus was the light of the world in John chapter eight and John chapter nine, when he declares that I am the light of the world. Jesus will be the light of the world for all of eternity that we just read in Revelation chapter 22. And the question today for you and for me is, will you let Jesus be the light of the world in your life today? Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. If anyone follows me, he will not walk in darkness for he has the light that leads to life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are a God who is holy. You are a God who is king. God, I'm grateful that you are not a distant and far off and aloof God, but that you are one who says, I will lead you. I will transform you. I want to shine through you. Jesus, we acknowledge and we believe today that you are the light of the world. And God, I pray that you within each one of us in this space or in Bettendorf or Kiwani or online or God, I pray that you would reveal to us, Holy Spirit, the areas where we have been walking in darkness and and let us hear that still small voice of yours inviting us to step into the light. And God, I don't know what those areas are for each one of us, but Lord, I pray today that we would be bold, that we'd be courageous, and that we would step fully into the light, knowing, God, that you are faithful, that you are able, and that you are king. So Lord, we love you, we praise you. We are grateful that you are the light of the world. And we declare today that you are the light of our world. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.